This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey, love, greetings. Welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast. Um, Today is a very big day. This weekend is a very big weekend, and this episode is devoted to looking at the um, tarot lens view of um, this like epic (laughs) weekend of astrological transit. So in case you do not know this, uh, today is a full moon lunar eclipse in Cancer and the completion of the eclipse portal we've been in since Christmas day, since December 25th, Uranus also goes direct today. Very big deal in Taurus. Um, and then Sunday we have our Saturn Pluto conjunction or alignment in Capricorn that is aspected to 80 million things. And that is such a big deal that it only comes around once every 30 plus years. And on Sunday, on that, uh, on the day of that conjunction, it's setting off a 30 plus year cycle. So we are literally, um, standing at the gates of history. You know, how old are you now? I'd be over 70 years old by the time the next Saturn-Pluto conjunction comes around. And this Saturn-Pluto conjunction does weave in and out. It goes back again. It, it comes back again in April, on April 5th. And I believe it comes back again in June. I could be totally wrong about that. My apologies if I am. Actually, I think I might be. But um, this Saturn-Pluto conjunction does weave in and out. But the idea of it happening when it does now kicking off the cycle happens on Sunday. So we are in today's episode. Today's episode might be shorter, but I don't know. Y'all know I can really talk, so it might not be. Um, But it's basically going to just be a little bit of a briefing and a little bit of medicine on how we can relate to these transits and dig into them and play with them and tune in with them looking at them through the lens of the tarot, because that's how I look at life. (laughs) So we're going to really be paying attention to that. And, um, you know, I want to start with the full moon lunar eclipse in Cancer. So as I mentioned, eclipses, you know, they do come in pairs. And when one comes, there's inevitably another. And so when we're in a kind of eclipse portal, when we're in one of those, we're doing rapid, hugely deep, accelerated soul work. We're, we're able to kind of go deeper, the shadows. There's a little bit more clarity about what's going on under the surface. There's a lot more illumination in our lives about what really works, what doesn't work. Um, there's usually a lot of things that let go of us. So things like we, you know, do a lot of speaking and, and it's wonderful that we do about the idea that, you know, let's, what are we shedding? What are we letting go of? And I think making space in a soul-centered life for allowing things to let go of us is even more of an expanded view to take. And, um, certainly in eclipse portals, that is a big deal. And this idea of things just leaving, 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 ready to go, ready to go. Obviously we do a co-creative birth, death, dance with things like that. But, um, yeah, all of that, just huge evolutionary invitational energy is big, big, big. So we're ending something that we've been in 
that we've been traveling through since December 25th, which means that if you've been feeling like 2020 never really got started for you to begin with, that it's kind of just felt like you've been swirling still around some of these weird energy, like a bathtub that's not been fully drained yet. Um, this is part of why, and you're going to feel a big difference after today and, and definitely after this weekend most certainly because, um, of the pressure that's going to be relieved after these transits, um, personally on a personal scale, the likelihood of you feeling much more open, much more expanded is very high. So just holding that space for all of us and for you, um, eclipses, um, this may seem really obvious, but I actually do think it, it's a gift sometimes because with things like eclipses, not everyone actually knows what they are. Um, so eclipses, whether they be lunar or solar are like a three-way phone call between the earth, the sun, and the moon. There's some kind of triangulation, um, that shifts the dominance of the, of the primary caller when we're in a lunar versus a solar eclipse. But this idea of a relationship and a conversation between the earth, our home, us as individuals, and as a part of this collective experience, and the sun, our conscious, what we can see, who we are, what we're expressing in the world, and the moon, what is the dip, the depth of us, what is, um, you know, what we are, uh, oh, what our subconscious is, our, our, our underworld self, our, um, less availably seen self, but definitely simmering that we can feel, you know, and of course this idea of lunar versus solar, like what's being broadcast out to the world and what's more internally felt. There's this, um, this hookup and this connection, this kind of three of wands lighting up that happens between all three of these bodies. Um, and when we move through an eclipse, we always bring in the sign of what the moon is in to kind of create a little four way conversation. And, um, they're very powerful transits that really illuminate and light up some area of our lives, some area of how we are living and can provide a very holographic illumination. In other words, it can help to clarify for us and clear out and rapidly accelerate us both in the conscious realm and the subconscious realm. So those in like my words, that's really what eclipses are about. And to put it more, uh, plainly a lunar eclipse, which is what we're in today occurs when the earth passes between the moon and the sun and the earth's shadow, um, partially or totally obscures the moon. And a solar eclipse occurs when the moon passes between the earth and the sun blocking or obscuring, um, all of the sun or a portion of it. So with any solar eclipse, we have the moon as the primary conversation coming in and saying, Hey, let me bring something forward, something very subconscious, something from the depths. Let me call you in, which is ironic because a solar eclipse, we think, Oh my God, like the sun and, you know, 
pointing toward that energy, but the moon is actually the one that's coming between the conscious and our home base and saying, hey, I have a message for you. In a lunar eclipse today, the earth is passing through us. We are passing through. We are traveling through our conscious realm and our subconscious realm. And we're looking at how can these come together? Very often in a lunar eclipse, there's some very large planetary collective things to look at. Not always, certainly, but um, it can be a really huge part of that because we're passing through literally like the two towers and the moon card in the Smith Rider weight, or, um, you know, there's there's a really powerful threshold that we cross when the moon moves between the moon, or I'm sorry, when the earth moves between the moon and the sun. Um, and when there is a kind of a shadow dance with all of these pieces, um, there's a very powerful internal movement and upgrade that happens in us because you know, we are of this earth. We are microcosms of this earth. Without the sun, we don't have much in terms of life. And we are, as the saying goes, walking columns of ocean water. We feel the moon. We feel the tides. We get pulled. There's a reason that we feel full moons, why babies are born, why, um, you know, oceans literally um, curl and bow and shift based on the moon because there's a huge pull that we all feel. And even for those of us who really believe that, it can be hard to keep it in our minds on a, on the daily. It really can be. So um, it's really lovely to begin to think about this idea <clears throat> of um, eclipses being just this huge, beautiful triangulation, you know, that happens. Um, eclipses are really a, we can think of them as like rain and they really fall onto us and pour all over us, you know, with certain energies, we want to reach in and use them. We want to grasp them. We want to kind of like, um, place them on our altar and work with them and weave them into our lives with eclipses. It's very wise as these huge movements occur. It's very wise to just let be, to literally see yourself like floating as things pass over you. Like if you're floating in water, kind of watching the waves lap up over your body in a safe way for those of you who don't particularly like the water. But um, that's kind of what we're doing here. We're letting be. We're letting the upgrades, letting the accelerations move through us. So We've been in a time since December 25th that's ending today that has carried us from 2019 into now that's asked us to do all this work. And a lot of it has been about us letting go and letting the work happen around us, for us, actually letting go and receiving this work, letting things go on their own, you know, not having to strive and work so hard. It's really powerful to let be, um, at an eclipse. And we do have a full moon lunar eclipse in cancer today, opposite Mercury. So with cancer, we're speaking about the chariot because the chariot is ruled by cancer with the chariot. We reach the end 
of a road. We come to the end of something and we enter into a kind of graduation energy where we succeed at something, we step forward into something, something feels really momentous and huge and wonderful, and we get to take stock of how far we've really come and how much we've grown and how much we've learned. And at the same time, we're called to shed some part of our armor. With cancer, the, you know, cancer is ruled by the the crab. And with the crab shell, um, the shell is so strong in order to protect the tender flesh inside the crab. And that's why cancers, if you meet them in your life, are really, really very different people varying from cancer to cancer because the crab shell is totally different. Some cancers are so tender, so soft, so sensitive. All are so tender and sensitive, although some really don't show it. Some crab shells are really hardened, really roughened, and like, that's great. I love a sassy cancer. I mean, they're some of my favorite people, brassy motherfuckers. But um, through a cancer's life, they learn, you know, when is it appropriate to have this crab shell up as a robust protection, as a robust barrier, a safe barrier for me? And when is it appropriate to let a part of that fall? When is it appropriate to let a little bit more of my tenderness shine through, to let the heart shine through? Where is that appropriate? And this is not to say that cancers who have armor up are not tender in some way that of course they are but um it's always the question of what looks good instead of what is that's a huge part of cancer um cancer energy knows how to be in order to get by it knows how to be in order to kind of slip under the radar it knows how to be in order to be um palatable and that's a part of the crab shell too, because they don't want to experience, like everybody, any kind of rejection. So there's a sense of, I can create this crab shell in whatever way feels the best for me and will suit everybody the best. But whenever we pass through the energy of a Cancer moon, we're looking at chariot and we're reflecting. The, ca- the chariot is the end of line one of the major arcana. It's the end of the line that in soul tarot we refer to as the I am line. In other words, this is who I am. I'm in charge. The ego goes first. This is linear. And I know that this works and that it looks good. And it does look good, but we don't actually see all of the person. And without seeing all of the person without with all that armor on, there's not a whole lot of movement that we can traverse. There's not a whole lot of flexibility. There's not a whole lot of, um, you know, and by the way, I'm not just talking to cancers. I'm talking to everybody. You know, this is because not all cancer suns, depending on how they're aspected, even resonate with this, but it's the energy of cancer, wherever it is in our charts and however it affects us. Um, that's part of the work. That's what we're doing. We're honoring what works and we're 
really observing what doesn't at the same time, like what works, what doesn't, you know? So this idea that we can shed what doesn't serve us, this idea that we can let go of a part of our armor really extends itself right now to a couple different things. One of them is absolutely, this is an invitation to reparent. This is, you know, the inner child is our first kid. We're really born into these bodies and the journey we take from child to adult, um, we often assume like, oh, the child kind of goes away, but the child never goes away. Even if you're not super into inner child work, your inner child is coming up every time you feel triggered, irrational, every time you lose your temper, you know, every time you feel afraid, you know, whatever it might be. The inner child is a constant fixture in our lives, <laughs> whether we're aware of it or not, whether we're aware that it can subtly dominate certain areas of our lives. Or I've had adult relationships in my day where me and the other person have never even had an adult conversation. It's just been inner child talking to inner child, trigger on top of trigger. And until we have a rich and robust intimate relationship with our inner kids, um, it can, the the inner child will usually try to get our attention through those kinds of tantrums and experiences like that. So it's just interesting to think about that really the older we get, the more we're stepping up into our own parents and the more we get into our lives, the more important that becomes to be able to say, I can, I can hold this. I can nurture this. I can be with this. It's okay. Um, some of us need a little help along the way. Some of us need a little support, uh, you know, as we venture into that journey, but we're all capable of it. So this moon is definitely about that stepping into that space so that the inner child doesn't feel left out in the cold, that somebody has it looking at some of the ways that we may be asked to step into new things and, reflecting on the fact that maybe our inner children are scared. So really looking at that and, you know, in terms of scared, the, the, the grief and the trauma and the terror that have been moving through all of our nervous systems since the beginning of 2020 has been enormous between potentially getting into another world war to, um, you know, tragic losses of life to the unspeakable, tragedies of the wildfires in Australia and the earthquake in Puerto Rico. And there have just been, you know, the rollbacks to environmental protections that are happening right now in the Trump administration that will be feeling the effects of literally for the rest of our lives for generations to come. It's a time of great loss and great unknowns and great terror. And these are the moments when our inner kids really need us the most. And the idea that the armor can come off extends itself potentially to a lot of grief being discharged today and a lot of, um, a lot of clearing and opening that can come forward because the chariot always speaks to this invitation. Yes. The chariot says you, you are at the highest point, you are at the, 
you know, the cumulative state of all that you've done so far. And now in order to go further, you have to walk away from some part of you that looks real good, but doesn't actually serve. What might that be? And it doesn't mean we have to leave behind things that we like will absolutely love and cherish. It's just really looking at, you know, sometimes it is things that we love and cherish. Sometimes it's other things. So we're just really looking at that. And then this idea that, you know, on this lunar eclipse, we're passing through the moon and the sun. We're kind of getting a shower on both sides of solar conscious energy and lunar unconscious energy. So just things to think about. Um, really, really powerful, huge today. Um, so anytime we move through any eclipse, we're talking about the sun card, the world card, and the high priestess. Um, so we're talking about the sun card because the sun is one of the main trios of this triangular phone call. We're talking about the high priestess because the high priestess is ruled by the moon. So this is the moon's card. This is the lunar experience. And we speak of the world because the earth, the world, is actually a really huge part of any eclipse, obviously. Either it's getting, it's passing through or it's getting passed um, by another body. And um, it's world is ruled by Saturn and the world actually um, features pretty heavily in the Saturn Pluto conjunction as well because of that Saturn connection. But Saturn is the jobs and the work that we agreed to do as souls. It's literally the soul work. So whenever we talk about an eclipse, we are absolutely doing Saturn work, whether we're aware of it or not. It's soul centered, untying, uncrossing, on like a clearing that happens and a rapid acceleration. So much can happen in eclipse portals that normally would take like forever to happen. Um, since December 25th, my life has literally completely changed. <laughs> so it's been wild, you know, and whether that's, whether things have felt less, um, momentous or movement heavy to you, it really doesn't matter. It's really a question of, you know, can you allow this energy to move through you. So anytime we move through an eclipse, anytime, no matter what sign it's in or how it's, you know, going to be experienced or expressed, we can always look at, um, the sun card, the invitation into rebirth, illumination, clarity, seeing absolutely inner child, the high priestess, deeply dropping in, deeply listening, moving through the world internally first and then externally, taking that internal work and moving it out into the world. Most of us do the opposite, start external and then figure it out later, which is perfect, but just a different level, different style and capacity of listening. And then the world, the end of something, the release of a cycle and the birth of a new one, the work that we're called to do ending something, wrapping something up so that we never have to do that thing in quite the same way again. And right now we're experiencing this both on a personal scale and certainly on a collective one. Very, very big. Uranus also goes direct today. Um, and I have read a number of astrologers, not even about this transit, but just over the last few months really describe this day 
and you're honest going direct as the potential for something kind of unexpected, potentially even like violent to happen um, because Uranus is the planet of so much instability that it can kind of like trigger off all of this stuff. And um, I, I have so much respect for astrologers and astrology, obviously. And I also know for myself that Uranus is the fool's card and that that belief is a really, really reflective of a very old paradigm about the fool. And um, Uranus going direct may or may not have influence on any number of, you know, uh, responsive um, re responses energetically in the collective or in the personal realm today. But I also think that there's room and good reason to think about it in a much more expansive way, in a way that provides incredible invitation and opportunity when we think about the idea that with Uranus going direct after months of being retrograde, Uranus is the free, it is the wild soul. It's, it's Aquarius. It does not want to stay in a retrograde state. It wants to leap. It wants to be free. It has to be free or it will die, literally. So taking it out of a, you know, it's stationing direct is literally freeing a bird that's been in a cage. So of course there's no telling what will happen when the bird flies out of that cage, you know, but it's something to begin to think about in terms of how it is reflected on us and how we've been experiencing this because the fool is Uranus and the fool is the great soul leap. It's the commitment that we have on a soul level saying yes to life. The fool is totally not dependent on any external factors. In other words, it's not like taking a leap and taking a gap year in school. It's not, it's not anything like that. Um, it could of course always be showing up as an expression or as a manifestation of a physical event that you're leaping into, but it's never dependent on that. It's not dependent on it because not everybody has the same access to privileges that everyone else does. So to say that the fool is always fixed on the external leap, um, is not just kind of, um, it, you know, not inclusive, it's also not reality. So it's really important to remember for those of you who are on, are on your tarot journey that no tarot card ever, 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 I don't care what it is, relies on any external factor to get it going. In other words, if you get the lover's card, doesn't mean you're meeting a lover, it means you're really meeting yourself. And the fool is an inner yes. The internal yes has to happen before any kind of external road opens anyway. So that's the work that we do in this card. Um, but the full reversed. Now, if you've worked with me, you know my feelings on reversals. My take on them is very much my own. It's very unique. Um, and this is not so unique but because uh, other people do feel the same way as I do. I know that. But um Reversals are immense gifts, and in soul tarot, reversals are opportunities to do deeper, accelerated, or somehow 
um, different work in an energy than we would get to do normally with the card right set up. And we never have to use reversals for cards. You know, that's, I don't read with reversals anymore as in my own practice, because I just don't want to, I don't feel like it. Um, that's the, like as far as the answer goes, but, <laughs> um, but that, but again, that's enough of an answer that like, you just don't feel like you don't have to use them. It's not a big deal. But if you are using them and if you do want to use them, reversals are just so rich and can provide this wonderful context, this wonderful clarity to any reading or any um, relationship that we draw or build with any card. So when the fool is reversed and it means that it's not that it, let me back up, for the last few months since Uranus has been retrograde, it's been like we've had all these voices in our heads, all this stuff coming up from the bedrock about why it's not a good idea to follow our soul, yes, why it's not a good idea. All of the impediments, all the potential terrors, the potential outcomes, the bad stuff that could happen, the fear, um, old beliefs that we've inherited from our family members, whatever. All of this has been arising, literally like whispering in our ears for months and months in response to Uranus being retrograde in Taurus. Now that it is going direct, um, we get to flip that to a direction that points actually due north toward our truth which is a perfect reflection of the full reversed because the full reverse doesn't mean that we don't want to take the leap. The full reverse also doesn't mean that divine or spirit or the universe is telling us not to leap. A lot of interpretations of the full reversed are like, you know, Hey, it's not a good idea. You can't leap in this bullshit. Not with no disrespect. It just is a card that is a pure invitation, right? Set up cannot be warped in the reversal. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and also spirit is not going to tell you, Hey, take a leap when right side up and when reverse, it's going to say, no, don't, because that's also not even how spirit works. Um, the full reversed means that the leap is aligned. We're just having a tremendous amount of fear, most likely, or resistance or brain stuff or people in our ear influences saying it would be really foolish of you to do this. And that winds up coloring our view. So the reversal of the fool or Uranus retrograde is an opportunity to unpack and do work on why are we telling those people about these things? Have they actually ever listened to their soul in their lives? Probably not. Because that's really where the core of the response is. People are telling you, you know, don't leap. This is a horrible idea. And it's really, really in your highest and best. Um, there's a difference between loving friends and family members saying, Hey man, you can do whatever you want, but I feel like maybe just pause, maybe just wait. You know, there's a difference between that. And that's been the opportunity the last few months is to really sink in and look at that and say, you know, is it in highest and best for me to say yes to this? Or is it in highest and best for me to pause and wait? What's the evidence here? Has there been kind of, you know, whatever it is. Um, but the full reverse offers us an opportunity to do the work, to clear it up. And we can't really take that leap in full confidence unless we clear that up.
unless we do that work. And that's what it's been about. So Uranus going direct is the fool getting the opportunity to come out of that little holding pattern and finding themselves on the edge of the cliff, ready to jump on the edge of the cliff, ready to step off into their soul path. And it's in Taurus, which means that the fool is talking to the Hierophant. So with this um, Uranus direct, the fool and the Hierophant are coming together saying, I will no longer give my power over to other people. I will no longer cut myself off from my innate wisdom to fulfill or satisfy someone else's need for me to be safe. I will no longer bypass gaslight or deny my own knowing. I will no longer invite the counsel of people in my life who invite me to do that. I am free. I trust myself. And I am available to leap into becoming my own wise counsel. Whew, powerful. So while your honest direct may present us with all kinds of wacky, all kinds of wackadoos today, um, that's really through the lens of the tarot what's going on. The fool is finally ready to leap and we are finally ready to step up into reclaiming our hierophant, our own wise inner teacher. Very big deal. And then, of course, we have on Sunday the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. So, And there are many, many aspects to this conjunction beyond those elements. But um, as I mentioned on Monthly Medicine and as so many people who are actually astrologers who are doing so in a way that's so much more um, extensive than I would do, which is appropriate because they're astrologers, um, we did talk about it quite a bit and I'm sure you've been reading about it quite a bit and um but this is an event again that takes place you know every 30 plus years and has kicked off many many huge events in history in terms of um wars and discoveries and all kinds of, you know, different things and inventions and, um, things that we're really feeling the effects of today, a lot of them. So it's a very big deal collectively, and we definitely have the opportunity to kind of see what comes forward in this transit on Sunday. And on a personal note, um, looking at this, conjunction is like a meeting between the world and judgment, a duet with the world card and the judgment card at the devil's house. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a lot happening there, right? The world card and judgment are going to the devil's house to sing this duet. With the world card, we're ready to, again, end something. Saturn is the ruler of karma, of law, of lessons, of hard work. 
And when we pull the world card, it means that we have done the work or are preparing to undo a part of the work or, you know, in some way there is a clearing and an ending and a rebirth of something else. So with the world card, we're preparing on a personal level to complete something, to complete a cycle that we're never going to go back to in the same way again. We're, we're all done with something. With judgment, we are merging. I mean, judgment is so much more of an esoteric energy, but it's ruled by Pluto, which is why we're talking about it in this way. The world card is ruled by Saturn. With the judgment card, there's a kind of call to review. You know, there's a call to open the eyes, to look very, very bluntly, very clearly. And not only what we've kind of not wanted to see, but really all the stuff under it and over it. And there's a big merging, a review that happens between all the parts of us, disparate, unwelcome, welcome, you know, that come together into the whole. It's an awakening. The eyes become open. We finally see like, oh my God, holy shit. This has been happening. Here are the effects of it. Look at the state of our planet in terms of the climate. This is absolutely part of this conjunction. We've known this. We've seen it. All of us, you know, even those of us who've been very aware, very concerned, or even speaking about it, we're seeing it. It's happening. It's here. You know, the great mass extinction that our planet is going through is active and ongoing and the grief that is moving through all of us around that is something that um, I don't know is being talked about enough to be understood as being an appropriate response. So this is already taking place. We're already seeing the loss of life and the tragedy and the trauma and the unbelievable, um, you know, again, to use that word grief and rage and emotion that comes up when we look at what happens to our planet and how it affects the the humans and the animal life and the plant life that it affects. And um, that's already we're seeing evidence of that. We've been seeing evidence of that. There's a lot happening around that right now. Capricorn is cardinal earth. It's not an accident that that's coming forward. So we're being invited to really see, and that's a big thing collectively, I'm sure, along with, with a lot, with a lot of other things, you know, human relations in terms of, um, political stuff, um, huge effects of capitalism, huge effects of foreign, you know, power. And there, you know, again, there's so much that's coming up already. It's not a surprise, but, um, Pluto is the underworld planet. It's here to bring up the generational pieces. It's here to clarify for us um, the work that we're being called to do. So again, it's a radical awakening around the soul work that is asked to be done. And that is really what the kind of, there was a phrase to go along with Saturn-Pluto conjunction. It's the radical awakening around, which is Pluto, judgment, the review, judgment, around the soul work that needs to be done, that can't be ignored, that must be acknowledged. There's an emergent quality to that. 
Happening in the devil's house means that there's a hell of a lot of illusion and delusion going on about it. There's a hell of a lot of distraction. There's a hell of a lot of invitation into blame, into shame, into this is your fault. This is my fault. You should do something. I should do something. A lot of, um, a lot of smoke and mirrors that are really just distracting us from the fact that we are where we are. We can only start from where we are. And the invitations into blame and shame are often just a distraction to keep us out of the huge feelings that lay underneath that, usually of loss or of grief or pain. Um, and of course, this is not a call to absolve um, anyone of due process or, you know, if there's a scenario that we're in that requires some um, calling into, calling into accountability, let's do it. But we're talking about on a much larger scale. We've become very accustomed to just looking at where others are fucking up instead of holding ourselves accountable to where we're, I don't want to say fucking up, but, um, where we can grow where we can evolve, where we can do better. And there's been kind of so much emphasis on looking out at that, that we've really forgotten to reflect it back home. And that's really devil energy too. Because devil energy doesn't want us to know that we're free. It doesn't want, it wants us kind of chained and hooked into this cycle. And it's important to know that um, we can cut that chain both personally and collectively, while still remaining a very open, accountable, um, willing to evolve member of this society. So we're coming back home to personal reflection and responsibility in this transit. We're really looking at, you know, what's my work? If I'm off in someone else's business, am I really in my own, who's minding, who's minding me, <laughs> you know, like if I'm not minding me. Um, and so there's some very powerful invitations there. And, you know, the devil is, can bring up a lot of contraction. So if there's something that, you know, cause again, Saturn Pluto conjunctions are really experienced very differently personally versus collectively, the collective repercussions or a ripple effects, I should say, of a Saturn-Pluto alignment are often very different than how we experience thing, how we experience them in and of ourselves. So for me, um, right now I'm moving through a couple of life things that are both really huge and really exciting. And how I'm really seeing this transit show up for me is I am really seeing the radical awakening and review of the soul work that I'm being asked to do, of the things that I have been moving through for a while, and having it all be taking place in the devil's house, um, I'm having a lot of brain responses to these life things that I'm getting the opportunity to get really clear, like, no, you're not going to hook me into fear. You're not going to hook me into shame. You're not going to hook me into this story or that story. I am free. I am free. I am um, not available, you know, to be pulled out of my yes into this or that. Um, and that's really just speaking about me in a complete vacuum in and of myself. So that's just really speaking pretty, um, pretty, uh, uh, what is the word? 
not specifically, generally, but speaking pretty generally about what's going on in my life. But um, it's true that I think that this one in particular really hits very differently personally versus collectively. So I invite you to think about where are you being invited to radically awaken around your soul work regarding how your brain tries to tell you there's something wrong with you in order to keep you from expanding? That's really the question. That's really how this is showing up in our lives. And the collective pieces come back home and keep your eyes on your own paper and really look at what is your work to do? What's your business? Can you be in your business um, while also being available for whatever arises? But can you be in your truth here? You know, because again, if you're not in your business, who is, <laughs> you know, really who is? Um, yeah, very, very powerful. I welcome you to just play. So I'm a really big fan. I never use anyone else's spreads and I've always made up my own ever since I was really young and reading tarot. And I invite you to just play. So we've talked about how the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn is like a meeting between the world and judgment in the devil's house. And you can pull out your world card, your judgment card, and your devil card and just weave together some questions that you have about this. Where am I being invited to radically wake up? Where am I being invited to free myself? What soul work am I doing right now? Um, you can do the same thing with this um, eclipse. You can pull out your sun card, your world card again, and your high priestess for the for the um, for Uranus. You can pull out your fool card and your hierophant card for Uranus going direct in Taurus. This is not an invitation for you to create a spread and put it on your Instagram for your people. This is my work, but I invite you to do this for yourself, actually, believe it or not, just for you. And really look at how are these transits affecting you? How are they weaving into your being? How are they... Um, showing up? What are they illuminating for you? So normally I would maybe do a spread for this, but I think you got it. You know, I think it's important to be able to lean into these things and look at how the tarot can be just such a beautiful lens view to look at all this stuff in. And of course I'm not an astrologer, so there's so much more specificity you can gain by going to Jeff Henshaw or, you know, Channy Nicholas or Mystic Mama or, you know, whomever you might like, um, whomever you may enjoy. Um, I, I love, you know, going to Jeff. He's my favorite, but I know a lot of people really like, um, you know, Mystic Mama and Ann Ortley and the like. So whomever you enjoy, whatever flavor works for you, I think is important and powerful to look at. And, uh, just really let yourself tune in with what these transits are offering you. Keep your eyes open. Pay attention. Be gentle, gentle, so gentle. I am so tired today. Um, it's been a very big, uh, drastic shift from like two days ago when I had lots of energy. And it's just all this, all this work that we're doing internally with these transits that really just let it wash over you in whatever way feels right. Um, so that's all I have for you today. It is a little bit shorter than my typical hour long, um, episodes, 
um, loving on you wild souls. Thank you for being here and I'll speak with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.